You're listening to Latin Experts, a podcast of Latino studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Latin Experts features the voices of faculty, staff, and students, as well as friends and alumni of the Department of Mexican American and Latina Latino Studies, the Latino Research Institute, and the Center for Mexican American Studies. Join us for this episode of Latin Experts. Hi everyone, my name is Vanessa Arisudis and I'm a research associate with the Latino Research Institute here at the University of Texas at Austin. And today I'm going to be joined by two of my colleagues to discuss how COVID-19 is affecting Texas college students' well-being. I'll start by introducing my first colleague, Dr. Alice Villatoro. Hi, everyone. I am Alice Villatoro. I'm a research assistant professor at the Latino Research Institute. And just so you know a little bit about myself, I am a mental health services researcher. So a lot of the work I do tries to understand how racial ethnic minority populations access and utilize mental health services for mental health needs. Thanks, Alice. Thanks for joining us. Also with us today is Dr. Marisol McDaniel. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Marisol McDaniel. I'm a postdoctoral research fellow at the Latino Research Institute. And most of my research centers around food access, food insecurity, and diet quality. Thanks so much for joining us as well, Marisol. And then a little bit about my research. My research focuses on addressing the disproportionate burden of obesity and obesity-related chronic illness among uh, youth and young adults from marginalized populations. So let's go ahead and begin with today's topic, (laughs) COVID-19. So why COVID-19? How did we, researchers in mental health and uh, chronic disease prevention, get together to talk about COVID-19? So first of all, when COVID-19 hit in March, and shut everything down. One of the first things we realized were that not only were we impacted as employees, right, working from home, but also the students that we work with were tremendously impacted by social distancing practices that uh, came about from COVID-19. And we really wanted to understand how COVID-19 impacted students' physical and mental well-being during this time. And so we put together a short, and by short, I mean (laughs) 20-minute survey, and sent it out to Texas college students. So just a little bit of background about some of the study participants. Um, We had about 600 uh, students across Texas complete our survey, and we had both undergraduates and graduate students complete the survey So age ranges were anywhere from 18 to 72 years old. So we have a very diverse set of uh, students that we were able to survey. Only 42% were non-Latino whites. And so one of the things we'd definitely like to share with you, the listeners, (laughs) are our findings on mental health and substance use among college students. Alice, I think that mental health and substance use is... I mean, really an important issue outside of the pandemic setting. And it seems like this pandemic has really exacerbated some of these issues. For sure. I mean, well, I keep calling it a secondary pandemic just because, you know, I think everybody, as soon as we hit lockdown, everybody 
was starting to kind of get grow more anxious, depressed about, you know, the lack of social interactions, not being able to connect in person anymore. So, you know, clearly that's something that we needed to assess in college students just because, you know, you you went from going into your classroom, seeing your friends, seeing your classmates, seeing your professors and TAs, to now everything being online. And for some people that may be living at home with their families, others living at home with roommates, and for others like living by themselves. So that new way of living and going about your day-to-day life really does take a toll on you physically and mentally. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think about, you know, students that go to college probably to get away from their families and now they have to go back. They're stuck with them. (laughs) They're stuck with them. (laughs) That definitely has to have a drain on mental health. (laughs) Oh, most definitely. Right. Cause you're like, Oh, I wasn't expecting to go back home now. You know, I was waiting until May after the year was done, but yeah, no, I think one of the great questions that we asked in this survey is for the students to rate their physical health and their mental health. And what we found is that, you know, self-rated physical health and self-rated mental health got worse from pre to post the COVID pandemic. Considerably more people are now feeling more stressed and burdened by the COVID pandemic and that it's affecting their mental health. And not surprisingly, a lot of students are using substance use to kind of cope with this increase in psychological distress. So students who reported high psychological distress were more likely to engage in alcohol use and smoking as a result. And not surprisingly, those students who reported worse self-rated mental health uh, were also, um, you know, experiencing higher use in substances. And we see higher use uh, of substances among males. And then um, low-income students compared to high-income students were also experiencing more difficulties with psychological distress So, you know, not only do we see these general patterns that, you know, mental health is getting worse, but certain pockets of students are experiencing a higher burden than others. Yeah, it definitely sounds like students are experiencing much higher rates of mental health issues compared to before the pandemic. And with regard to substance use issues, uh, well, I don't know if it's that surprising, right? I think one of the things we we heard when the pandemic first started was that um, this pandemic was really a boon to a lot of um, liquor stores. People are really yeah. uh, taking advantage. I shouldn't say taking well, advantage, but they were indulging, let's say. I, well, I think there was, you know, because like, everybody was out buying TP and stocking up. And so I guess <laughs> there was a point in time when bars were closing. People were like, where am I going to get my beer? Where am I going to get my, you know, my cocktail? And so you did see an increase, you know, in terms of purchasing alcohol. But I just want to share an anecdote. One of my friends is a professor and, you know, she talked about her checking in with her students in the spring semester. Mm -hmm. Um, I won't say where she is. She's not at UT. She's somewhere else. Um, But (laughs) she told me me (laughs) No, it's not you or Marisol or anybody in malls. But uh, she told me that one of her students said that he lived at home with his father and his cousins um, and his cousins were all male. And that like every other day he had to go to the grocery store and buy like cases of beer because they would run out. 
So like their alcohol consumption just increased incredibly because what are you to do when you're bored, right? It's kind of like <laughs> when you're home alone and you're like, oh, what do I do? I'm going to eat some popcorn. I'm going to have some like, you know, junk food. Uh, I think people have also experienced it like, what is it? The quarantine 15? Um, yeah. <laughs> so like people not eating correctly and trying to indulge in more uh, in other ways of coping with their stress and anxiety. One is with drinking. The other is with food. But then there also come issues with food, right? Which Marisol will talk about. Yeah, definitely. Marisol, can you tell us a little bit about how COVID-19 pandemic has impacted food insecurity among college students? Oh, it definitely has. Um, so from our study itself, um, so of the 589 people, over one-fourth of students reported current food insecurity. Um, and that is a 10% increase than before the pandemic. Again, we're looking at the pre and post. So think about it. I mean, you lose your, you may lose your job. Um, you may have lost your work-study job. Um, especially for minority groups, um, especially African-American and Latino students who were employed on campus or receiving financial aid, um, they were disproportionately affected by food insecurity. And thinking about even the way that food pantries are set up on campus, but a lot of students went home. There may not even be in Austin. So where are they getting their food? So it's just so many things to think about with food insecurity and, how, and different relationships with food insecurity. And, and one thing we also found, because people were more in food insecure, they also reported eating less healthy. So eating less fruits and vegetables a day. Um, in, our, in our study, only 37.35% of our students in the study reported eating one vegetable a day. So that's less than 50%. <laughs> And, and going back to food insecurity, I'm sorry, uh, foreign-born students were definitely the most likely to report food insecurity. They were double, more than double, almost three times as likely to, to report food insecurity than students that were born in the U.S. So it's my think about food insecurity. It's really a, definitely a marker of where you are financially. Mm -hmm. So if you're food insecure, you may be making that decision between paying your rent and not having your roommates kick you out versus eating food or eating something that provides some type of nutrients. Um, so again, the fruits and vegetables, maybe you're just eating ramen um, because you have to make that choice, that financial choice between paying for rent, paying for other basic needs and paying for food. Right. And it seems like statewide, again, um, students are dealing with a lot of issues, right? I mean, increased mental health problems, increased substance use, increased food insecurity. Uh, one of the other findings from our study is that uh, physical activity has been drastically impacted uh, with 60% of students reporting less physical activity than prior to the pandemic. And of course that means that about the same 60% were more sedentary. They also reported being more sedentary than before the pandemic. And these issues, um, these uh, decreases in physical activity were more prevalent among students who reported that their mental health or physical health worsened, you know, from pre to post pandemic. Um, and so it's clear that based on some of the findings from our study, based on findings from other studies, that COVID-19 really 
is uh, causing more, you know, issues than just from the illness, contracting the illness itself. And so this kind of turns our conversation to, okay, we know all these things, right? We know that COVID-19 has a detrimental impact on all of these health behaviors and health outcomes for Texas college students. What can we do about it, right? What are some resources that we might be able to direct students to, to help reduce some of the problems that have resulted from COVID-19. So Alice, I know you mentioned mental health, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and that you uh, research mental health and access to mental health care. Are there any mental health resources that students can access during this time period? Absolutely. Um, So, you know, college campuses tend to have counseling and mental health services available for students. So I would look into those uh, services and because everything now is on a remote basis, um, you can connect with a mental health counselor or therapist remotely via Zoom. Likewise, if you're outside of Texas or in other institutions outside of UT, uh, go through the uh, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration website, SAMHSA. Um, they have resources that you could look up in your state uh, to try to find mental health and substance use treatment services um, for your needs. You know, one thing that I think we take for granted as well is physical activity and mental health are so correlated. Um, (laughs) So like being physically active also helps with anxiety. I know for myself, like that's been a good way of kind of getting rid of that anxious energy. So, you know, going out for a walk um, or a short little hike, or if you have like exercise equipment at home, you know, take advantage, do a yoga class online, you know, those things help. And now with like Calm and Headspace, there's all these other resources that you can access for free to meditate I think mindful meditation uh, also helps some people deal with anxiety. So I think the important thing is for people to, you know, self-reflect, see what's going on. Do you feel anxious? Do you feel depressed? Do you feel worried all the time? And um, do something about it. Reach out to loved ones. Reach out to your doctor. Reach out to your, you know, um, if you have a mentor, ask for help. I think that's the most important thing is to, you know, not be shy and get the resources that you need. And we'll make these resources available for people to access online. Um, So you should be able to download, um, you know, information about where you can get mental health support. Yeah, Alice, I totally agree. I think uh, number one thing is to really think about what it is that you need. And then Marisol, I know you mentioned um, some food-related uh, resources. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about that resource? Yes, of course. Um, so La Tiendita is the food pantry of Latino studies and African-African diaspora studies. And basically, it's just like a f- couple of shelves in the hallway that we have. I mean, everything. It's not, And again, it's just not food. So people need other necessities. Um, shampoo, soap, women products, um, we definitely need. So having those resources there at the La Tendita is invaluable. Um, and I'm also aware of the School of Social Work food pantry. And I, I was talking with someone that's that's running the food pantry and I let them know a couple of weeks ago, like it's 
they didn't have a food pantry before COVID-19. The minute that we got into stay-at-home orders, they were already starting to plan and trying to get donations um, from other students to help other students. So I think that those are two wonderful food pantries that are are more community-based on campus. And then there's the UT Outpost, which is the UT Austin's official uh, food pantry, central food pantry. And there's other there's also other things going on off, cam- off campus, such as the Central Texas Food Bank has a lot of things going on. Last weekend, um, there was a food distribution at the Frank Irwin Center, if I, if I, I think, believe it was the Frank Irwin Center. And there's also, I mean, if we find out or just let someone know that you're experiencing food insecurity too. Um, let your advisor know, um, and we can try to put you in touch with those resources. And, and if we find out that a lot of students are experiencing food insecurity, um, we can try to plan another food distribution here in Austin at the, UT, at the Frank Irwin Center. And again, for students, also staff and faculty that are experiencing food insecurity as well. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and, I, and I've also heard of the mutual aid across Austin, and there's a lot of other programs going on, um, like Keep, I think Keep Together ATX, um, and a, a few other local, more community-based organizations are are starting their own food pantries, food delivery services. Um, so just keep a lookout. I mean, if you need help for food, there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I think some people may have shame or may not want to, or may not feel comfortable telling someone that they're food insecure. Um, but the only way you can get help is to ask for help. And there's again, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's really great to see um, organizations across campus, you know, really work to help uh, students and and staff and faculty, you know, during this time of need. And so um, if you're in need, again, like Marisol, like Alice said, don't hesitate to reach out, reach out, get the help that you need. You know, we're all in this together. (laughs) Maybe not together, together, like in person, but we're definitely <laughs> together over Zoom. In yeah. spirit. In That's spirit. Right. <laughs> um, so I also want to ask you all um, a couple of questions that came in from some of the students that we work with. You know, there might be confusion surrounding uh, COVID-19. Um, and so we thought it would be a good opportunity to address some of these questions. Um, so if anyone else had similar questions, here are your answers. So one of the questions that frequently pops up from students that we speak with is how transmissible is COVID um, outdoors versus indoors? And so um, Alice, uh, can you uh, help clarify the difference, you know, in transmission between outdoors and indoors. Yeah. So one of the things that we have learned about COVID is that it is airborne. So being in a well-ventilated space is very important. So that's why being outdoors is probably a better idea uh, if you're going to gather socially with friends, for instance, than being indoors. Um, because there's the area in which like the virus can spread is, you know, wider, right? It's not enclosed in the space. It cannot like stay stagnant in the room for a, a long period of time. So really ventilation is your best friend. But that's not to say that just because you're outdoors, you're safe, right? Um, because your proximity to people is also very important. Um, so how close you are to somebody 
in terms of physical space, how long you're with that person, um, whether you're indoors or outdoors, and if that person has been exposed to the virus um, or they're carrying the virus, all of those things are important and, and are things that one should consider um, when, you know, gathering and, and things like that. So, you know, it's a little bit harder for you to get COVID outdoors, I think, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's a completely 100% safe, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I think if anything, we've learned recently with um, the super spreader event that happened at the White House um, oh, yeah. is that <laughs> we probably shouldn't be holding, you know, outdoor barbecues with the neighbors uh, <laughs> anytime nope. soon, uh, at least not without significant precautions, right? Or same thing <laughs> like, you know, kissing your family members that you haven't seen in a long time. It, it, it's just hard. Like, you know, I... <laughs> I know I want to like hug people every time I see them, but I can't because, you know, what if I have it? I don't want to give it to them. Um, or what if they have it? I don't want them to give it to me. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Love me from afar, please. <laughs> exactly. I'm important. One of the other questions that were, uh, that were frequently asked by our students um, has to do with isolation uh, when someone else is sick. So, Marisol, can you speak to um, some best practices? What should students do when their family member or their roommate that they live with is sick? Well, try not to be too close to them. <laughs> um, make sure that you are in two different rooms. Um, you're not sharing a bedroom. So some it may, it may mean that if you're sharing a room, your roommate gets the room if they're sick and you have to stay on the couch. Um, it's kind of separate yeah. yourself from that individual. Um, as well as if you have pets in the house, I don't know if you've heard, but coronavirus, pets can get coronavirus, so they can spread coronavirus as well. So you want to make sure that you're restricting contact with your pets if you're sick, um, so you don't get someone else in the household sick. So um, no if, cuddling with your doggos or kitties. No, no. I'm so, yeah, it's sad. Poor cats and dogs. You know, they're going to be <laughs> whining for the love, but you just can't, you have to restrict contact with your pets. And, and if you have to share a bathroom, uh, make sure that's disinfected. Um, multiple times a day. Uh, make sure to wear a mask even in your house. So one thing that I've, I've seen lately is an emergency COVID kit. So a different mm-hmm. kind of COVID kits. Um, they could be a medical and health supply COVID kit or more basic needs like food. So make sure you have all your prescription medications. Make sure you don't have to go to HEB or go to CVS to go pick up your meds. Um, so make sure you have at least a 30-day supply of your needed meds. Preferably, if you can, uh, try to get a longer supply. Make sure your medicine cabinet is stocked. So make sure you have your acetaminophen, your cold medicines, your Pepto-Bismols, your thermometer, uh, fluids with electrolytes. Um, and of course, you need to make sure you have, your, you have enough soap and hand sanitizer to last you for a while. But do not try to stockpile too much because other people need hand sanitizer and soap too. And um, toilet paper. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. what I was exactly about to say. Toilet paper. You do not need 20 packs of toilet paper. Or you paper can cons- towels. Yes, you can consider at least stockpile. Just get two at a time at most. In most stores, at least at the height of the pandemic this summer, you only could buy two. Um, and just, mm-hmm. con- just, just continue to be that to be considerate shopper and a considerate consumer, as well as garbage bags. Um, and as far as food, 
you don't have to buy up all the rice and the beans in the store, um, but at least have rice and beans in your home. You want to have about a two-week to 30-day supply of non-perishable food. Um, and if you have freezer space, great. Get frozen fruits, vegetables. And if you're a meat eater, meat. Um, make sure you have your peanut butter, which is an excellent non-perishable. Well, it is perishable, but it takes a while for it to, to perish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and your nuts and your all your canned food that you like, flour, sugar, if you want to if you want to try to make bread for yourself. I mean, just really try to have your house, um, your dorm room, your apartment spot, stockpiled with what you need. Have that emergency COVID kit. That's great. Yeah, that's advice. very cool. That's you know, uh, I think I had mentioned this to you guys before, but, uh, you know, it's like that emergency earthquake kit that you grow up hearing so much in California. Oh, no, I was like, know, I did not grow up hearing about earthquakes. <laughs> well, you know, get underneath the table to protect your head and everything. If the, if the ground starts to shake, FYI, Texas, that's what you do. <laughs> One of the conversations that I'd like to have with you all is what have we learned from COVID-19? What have we learned from this pandemic? What should the world be like after experiencing COVID-19? It's kind of like lessons learned. Um, so I want to ask you, Alice, first, what should we be like? What should we do now that we've experienced COVID-19? Well, one thing is that we should not have this mentality like, oh, well, if I get it, I get it. No. So one of the things moving forward is that I think we need to do, be better at um, practicing COVID prevention strategies. So, you know, washing your hands is great, you know, and um, staying socially distant from others is, is very important. But wearing your mask. Um, we all have a social responsibility to protect each other. So, you know, masks are absolutely critical. And I think people should be wearing them when they're out in public. It's yeah, I mean, a decent I definitely, thing to do for your neighbor. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it for those people who say that if I get it, I get it. Well, that's great for you, right? <laughs> that's great for you. But it's not just about you. I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about social responsibility, right? It's not just how COVID-19 impacts you personally. It's who do you take that home to? And if that is a grandparent who might be physically frail or a sibling who is undergoing cancer treatment or a parent who may seem relatively healthy, but then is impacted terribly by the virus. I mean, we know the virus has left even, you know, healthy people scarred. And so it's not about you and, and your choice, you know, uh, to get the virus. And it's, it's okay if I get it, I'm, I'm fine with that. Are you fine with infecting your loved ones and potentially, you know, that having fatal consequences? And mm -hmm. so... Yeah, I definitely think that ideally one of the takeaways would be that we have a, a renewed sense of social responsibility um, to our friends, our family, our neighbors, and our communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. 
Marisol, what do you think COVID-19 should look, you know, how should the world look like um, now that we've been through COVID-19? I think just being more aware of people and aware of, you're not aware, but have more appreciation for people that you do love and want to be around. Um, and, and the fact that you're not able to, some people you're not able to be around right now, um, having that appreciation for them. And hopefully by the next pandemic, we will not need to make social responsibility and caring for people that you love something that is questioned. <laughs> and so it, it, just moving forward and and maybe it's another, hopefully another pandemic, but honestly, it probably will be another pandemic in our <laughs> lifetime um, that the minute someone gets sick, we'll start wearing a mask right away. We'll start doing social distancing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Some we will have mandates and guidelines for different spaces um, mm-hmm. for when to wear a mask over your nose. Completely cover that nose. Yes. No chin diapers. Yes. Right? No chin diapers. <laughs> cover that nose. No chin diapers. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Marisa. Yes. And you can breathe fine. Yes, you make it a little sweaty in there, but it's not worth it getting someone else sick. There are dry wick masks out there, people. So go buy them. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have sponsors, so I can't endorse a particular retailer. But if you want to know, email me. <laughs> Alice has a whole list. <laughs> I know, I do. I just spent a lot of money on masks, guys. Remember? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but I agree with you, Money Soul. Hopefully there is a day when the next pandemic hits that, you know, social responsibility about like around mask wearing and staying socially distant doesn't get questioned. And, you know, one thing that we do know for sure is that COVID isn't going anywhere. So mm-hmm. it'll be a while before a vaccine is available. And even when the vaccine is available, it'll take a while before we reach some level of herd immunity. Because it takes wild, a while to distribute the vaccine and get everyone vaccinated. And unfortunately, there's going to be some pushback on who gets vaccinated, right? Um, right. And, you know, so in the meantime, and if we want to return to some sense of normalcy, everybody's going to have to wear a mask. Everybody's going to have to be socially distant. And we're all going to have to do our part to ensure that, you know, we don't get sick. Um, it's not fun. You know, I hate wearing my mask too, but, um, if it's the only way we can try to get around our daily life and if it protects, you know, your spouse, your children, your, your, your siblings, your parents, then I think it's worth it. Definitely. And, you know, speaking of guidelines and just doing more to make sure that people are healthy and stay healthy, there are guidelines that UT has put into place to make sure that students are healthy. One is COVID testing and the other is a COVID symptom checker. Um, so Marisol, can you tell us a little bit about this COVID symptom checker? I think it's Protect Texas Together. Yes. So I use Protect Texas Together. And anyone that's listening to this, please put it on your phone. It's just <laughs> an act of 
making sure, and again, there's privacy. There's a lot of privacy guidelines. So no one's going to know if you are not feeling well, or if you're running nose or if you're on the toilet the night before. Um, <laughs> but, if, but it is a symptom checker just to make sure that everyone is being safe. Um, and it was put together by UT, Protect Texas Together. Every morning I get a notification to check my symptoms. So I think the first question is usually, are you feeling well? Yes or no. Um, and then you kind of go into where you were you um, actually diagnosed with COVID? Yes or no? Are you having any of these symptoms? And then once you fill out this survey, you either get the green light or the red light to go on campus. And I feel like everyone that goes on campus needs to take advantage of this app. And honestly, and this has been a problem for a long time, ever since I was a little kid, if you don't, if you don't feel well, stay at home. <laughs> Do not come in <laughs> to work. So, <laughs> oh, well, I've definitely been guilty of that. She's speaking directly to me. <laughs> I mean, Sorry, yes, yes, Vanessa, who couldn't speak that one time. Yes, stay at home. Oh man, we don't oh, we don't want your cuties. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I, and I know that's difficult for some people, especially if you don't have sick leave. But I think more and more employers are starting to offer that because they understand that COVID is highly contagious, um, more so than the flu. So, you know, it's important that people stay home if they get sick. Definitely. And if you do get sick, there are COVID testing options on campus. Is that right, Alice? Mm -hmm. Yes. So UT has made COVID testing available to students, whether or not you have symptoms. Um, and it's also available to staff and faculty. So um, my understanding is that they're running those tests on campus. So you, the turnaround for getting test results should be pretty quick. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately uh, the testing is not mandatory. It's on a voluntary basis. So, you know, I don't think that there are as many people who are getting tested as we would like. Um, and, you know, I think if people are expected to be on campus, maybe we should consider about making man mandatory testing a thing. And I think they could be done in a way that doesn't necessarily out somebody when they have an illness. Um, so say you have an in-person class and maybe one of your classmates has COVID, then, you know, finding a way to tell everybody in the classroom, okay, we're now transitioning to online classes, someone in your class tested positive, um, you know, without necessarily naming that student. Yeah, I think that if, you know, UT has provided, you know, these opportunities for people to get tested, that's great. You know, we have the resources, but like you mentioned, Alice, people aren't taking advantage of these resources. Um, and if we do have students and faculty and staff that are regularly on campus, um, it would make sense to ask these individuals to test uh, more frequently <laughs> um, and to mandate testing for people who are, are consistently on campus. Um, you know, if there is an outbreak, uh, there's a concern uh, that we might not be able to trace it back to anybody. <laughs> you know, who's patient zero? I don't know, because we don't have um, the regular testing, the regular consistent testing that would be required uh, to contact trace effectively. So, um, well, to wrap it up, <laughs> 
what should we all, let's kind of summarize, what should we all do in the meantime to protect each other? Uh, one was wear your mask. Wear your mask. Wear your mask. Cover your nose. <laughs> Cover your nose. No neck gaiters and, and bandanas are also questionable. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, oh, also, you want a mask that is made of multiple layers of fabric. So I think they said cotton fabric is great. Um, and ideally double or triple layer um, and make sure that it's nicely snug and fitted and there are no major openings for air to get through um, to your nose and mouth. So you right. really want like a nice fitted mask. That defeats the and, purpose. You know, make it fashion, <laughs> right? There's so many cute little masks out there on Etsy. Um, I just saw some with Ruth Bader Ginsburg that I was thinking about getting. So, you know. Like, uh, th there's a way for you to make a fashion statement, too. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so wear your mask. Um, stay socially distant, guys. Limit your indoor activities and your in-person interactions. Mm -hmm. um, don't be, be mindful of who you hang out with. <laughs> yes, be mindful. If you know that someone is constantly going out, um, you know, with other folks um, and not practicing uh, social distance guidelines, you don't have to hang out with that person. I mean, I know there may be some element of peer pressure <laughs> uh, to hang out with friends that you haven't seen in a long time, but the most important thing is your safety and ultimately the safety of others. And so mm -hmm. if you know someone is who is not practicing those uh, guidelines, don't feel guilty for not wanting to hang out with them right now. It's not safe. And if you're feeling sick, uh, stay home, folks. Don't pull a me. <laughs> Don't pull a me and come into the office or oh, go to class. Vanessa. Stay home. Uh, feel better. <laughs> stay away from others. Yeah. And, and track. And, and again, use that Protect Texas Together app. And, and I'm looking at it. And so it's a symptom survey. That's one part that I usually use. But there's also, you can sign up for proactive community testing. It gives you um, more of a live dashboard of confirmed cases of COVID-19 on campus in Texas and Travis County. Um, get tested. Use all these apps. Definitely. And, and I think above and you know, above all, just take care of yourself. Yes. Right? <laughs> oh, is that what you're going to say, Marisol? Yeah, yes, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, take care of yourself. I mean, we're all in front of a computer, you know, it almost seems like 24-7 now um, with online classes, with working remotely. And mm -hmm. so really make sure you pencil some time in to relax, <laughs> meditate, um, go for a walk, just you know, get away from the computer screen and, and take care of yourself. And so I want to thank you both so much uh, for joining me in this conversation today. I hope, you know, our listeners of this episode find the information we presented helpful, um, enlightening, <laughs> interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And we will definitely, uh, of course, provide resources um, there will be a link uh, you can click to learn all about the resources we talked about during this episode. Um, and of course, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to the Latino Research Institute 
uh, we're happy to connect. So yes, absolutely. Thank you, Vanessa and Marisol. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you. Stay healthy, people, and make good choices. Yes. yes. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye. 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 Hi, all. This is Ashley Nava Monteros, the Communications Associate at Latino Studies. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to check out the Latino Studies Instagram page. Follow us at Latino Studies UT to keep the conversation going.